Blog Talk Radio. Morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience all over the world is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website, at yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled, It's Tea Time. Teach, encourage, and adore. And the promotional material will lay the foundation, and then I'll get right into our episode for today. So it's tea time. How often do you sit down and sip with sip tea with a special person in your life. There are many traditions around high tea and afternoon tea. Etiquette would say to serve a meal with meat during high tea or pastries, little sandwiches, scones, and cakes during afternoon tea. Fellowship is the key. It's an opportunity to share our love. John chapter 13 and verse 34, New American Standard Bible reads, I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By the end of this episode, you'll have a new idea of how you can approach tea time. Well, I had an opportunity to talk to uh, the ladies at my church a couple of weeks ago, and we had a spring tea, which is real common in a lot of churches here in America. And the ladies dress up, you know, fancy clothing, hats, gloves, the whole bit, and they sit down for tea. And I happen to be the, the speaker, and this is the topic, and I thought that I would share it with my listening audience today. So when someone says it's tea time, Some of you may already know about the traditions, but some may not. But usually it means it can be a high tea time or it can be an afternoon tea time. Today, I want to talk about a different personal experience that you are called to do. We are called to do one for another. Before I get started, I always like to share my story. So I have a short story to share with you. I went to Egypt in 2019. It was right before the global response to the COVID pandemic, so I was thankful that I was able to travel. I know others who traveled around the same time and got sort of hung up, you know, because things were starting to pop off in 2020. But uh, the tour included a three-day cruise of the Nile. Now, you know, the Nile flows from south to north, so I can't say that we cruised down the river, but we cruised up the river. While I was on the cruise ship, on the first day, I heard a loud-sounding horn, and it wasn't that noise that we are become accustomed to if there's an emergency. You know, you go through the drill and the training and all of that. But this was just a loud-sounding horn. And I thought maybe the cruise ship was passing another vessel en route. 
And then I noticed people migrating in droves to the elevator. So I asked, well, where is everybody going? And a woman responded, it's tea time. It's afternoon tea time. I said, hmm, okay, well, let me find out what this is all about. And so I followed the crowd. On the fourth floor was a huge lounge area with comfortable chairs, round tables, and waiters and waitresses walking around with serving trays. And on the trays were teapots, delicate pastries, little sandwiches, scones, cakes, and napkins. There's no cutlery because all of those items, food items, are finger foods, considered finger foods. And so you can eat them just with your fingers. But And the teacup cups were stacked uh over in another area where people could help themselves. But I was, I indulged, I have to be honest, I indulged in all of what they were serving. And I, I, it was absolutely delightful for me. So it was a, a new experience, although I have been to other countries where tea, tea is very common. This was just a, a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful experience. So let's talk about tea for a moment. How many uh, of you are tea drinkers? And then normally I ask the same question, how many people are coffee drinkers? Well, I'm in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, and a lot of the people, I would say the majority of the people in the, uh, in the Pacific Northwest all over are uh, coffee drinkers because we have Starbucks in our area. Starbucks uh, corporate headquarters is in Seattle, Washington, the very place from where I'm broadcasting. So generally, the coffee drinkers outnumber the tea drinkers. But as we uh, learn more about tea, and I don't have time to go into the medicinal properties of tea, but tea, uh, good good teas have a, you know medicinal properties. So they have not only an opportunity to bring people together for fellowship, but they also can uh, you know aid in an upset stomach, you know headaches. They can. Um, cause you to to just go through a cleansing and so there's there's lots of medicinal properties but I am a tea drinker so I'm going to say that up front well the story of tea has its roots in China India Africa and Sri Lanka and tea was transported to the UK and there are many different traditions around having tea some of them are more well known uh, and some are not but high tea and afternoon tea are the ones that are most common Uh, and uh, people enjoy and indulge. So what is the purpose of high tea? So my research tells me that traditionally high tea was a working class meal served on a high table. And at the end of the workday, shortly after 5 p.m., people would gather after a long, hard day's work for a wholesome meal of meat, potatoes, and vegetables. And, of course, tea is served with the meal. And then the purpose of afternoon tea is it's an elite social gathering. So people gather in their special attire and eat delicate pastries, like I described earlier, little sandwiches, scones, and cakes, and tea cakes, and then, of course, tea is served. Well, today I want to talk about something other than drinking tea and having pastries, little sandwiches, scones, and cakes. What I want you to consider is an enhanced definition for tea time. Tea is T-E-A in all caps, so it's an acronym, and I'll get into what each of those letters means. So we are in a vertical relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Our relationship is vertical. This relationship can only mature by intentional and intentional 
being intentional and disciplined, excuse me, we must mature spiritually through Christian disciplines for godliness. So what are those spiritual disciplines? This is not an exhaustive list, but some of them will be very familiar to you because they're probably already in practice. But Bible intake is a spiritual discipline. Prayer, worship, fellowship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling for those who like to write and doodle, and then also learning. What would Bible intake be about if you didn't learn? Even fellowship, we get to learn about one another when we fellowship. In our vertical relationship, we are also in a, a horizontal relationship at the same time with humankind. So vertical relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then horizontal relationship with humankind. And we can narrow those relationships to people in the horizontal relationships to people in our inner circles, family members. It could be extended or immediate. It could be coworkers, church family, neighbors, committees, classmates, if you serve on any boards, schoolmates, sororities, and et cetera. The vertical and the horizontal relationships are in the shape of the cross, a constant reminder that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our vertical and horizontal relationships matter. Today I want to talk about how we should approach having T, and that's all caps, T-E-A, with the people in our horizontal relationships. Consider this acronym, T-E-A. T for teach, E for encourage, and A for adore, or adoration, love, and respect. I'm not talking about sitting around a table with tea cakes and sipping tea and having our little sandwiches. I'm referring to considering others better than ourselves by teaching, encouraging, and loving one another. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here that I have. The first one is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, 16, and this is the New International Version. And verse 16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Teach and admonish one another. The next passage is uh, about encouragement, encouraging, and it's found in First. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, and this is the New International Version. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, and it reads, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And then the third one is for adore, and it's found in John chapter 13, verse 34, New International Version, John 13, 34, and it reads, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Notice it doesn't say you might, you can, you can try, hopefully you will. It says you must love one another. So let's revisit the question, how should we approach having T, T-E-A, with the people in our horizontal relationships. 
First of all, I have to say that God is our example for the acronym T. He teaches us, he encourages us, and he loves us. Truly experience what the Father has for us, we can share that with others. If we allow ourselves to be filled and replenished, we can pour into the lives of those in our inner circles. We are to be a drink offering to others. Remember I mentioned the spiritual disciplines to grow in godliness, Bible intake, prayer, worship, fellowship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, and this is verse 3 we're going to look at, and it's the New King James Version. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 reads, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. So how can we teach? That's a good question. The best teacher is the life we live, our witness, our testimony, and our growing in godliness. You might ask, how can we encourage or how can we be encouraging to others? Well, through compassion, humility, and looking beyond a person's fault and seeing their need. What manifests through attitudes, maladies, disposition, and character depicts our spiritual immaturity or our heart condition. Either way, God is the one who gives us a clean heart and renews the right spirit in us. We can support, pray, and offer hope to one another. Let the spirit give us the word to say. Now, Colossians 3.16 says to teach and admonish, but we must do it with Christ's righteousness and not self-righteousness. In Romans chapter 10, 12, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 through 13, New King James Version, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, and then verse 13 says, distributing the, to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. So how can we adore? And I have a uh, love and respect uh, are very similar to adoration and adore. So how can we adore one another? Well, we have experienced the unconditional love of God through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He died for us. So how do we demonstrate our love for each other? It's difficult to love those in our inner circles that causes distress, hardship, heartache, pain, suffering, you name it. The list can go on and on and on. Yes, it's difficult, but we are called to love one another despite the difficulties that we experience with our horizontal relationships with one another. There are three different kinds of love that are referenced in the Bible. The first one is eros, and this refers to a physical or sexual love, and this is absolutely in the context of marriage. The word eros was commonly used in the Greek-speaking world of New Testament times. 
The word itself is not found in the pages of the New Testament. The concept of physical love, however, is expressed in the context of marriage always, and it's found and affirmed in the New Testament in Hebrews 13 and 4, which basically says, don't do not con- uh, defile the marriage bed. And then 1 Corinthians 7 and 5, where it talks about couples not withholding uh, love from one another. So eros, eros. The other uh, word, uh, different, the other type of love and found in the uh, reference in the Bible is philos. And that means a warm affection or friendship. Philos was commonly used with reference to friendships or family relationships. For example, in, uh, it was used in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, to indicate love for father and mother or son and daughter. Philos was the word used of Jesus' love for his friend Lazarus. And you can read about that in John chapter 11, verses 3 and 36. And philos was also uh, the word that was used, the Greek word that was used uh, for Christ's love for his disciples. And that's found in John chapter 20, verse 2. And then there's agape love. Agape is the sacrificial, unconditional love of God. In the New Testament, agape is the highest form of love, love supreme. It speaks to the unique nature of God's love. Agape is the word that describes God's love in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know the rest of the verse. We are commanded to love. We read that in John 13.34. We are commanded to love. We don't get to think about it. We don't get to try it. We are commanded to love one another. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Yes. So we are not off the hook regarding what type of love we are to demonstrate one for another. As we contemplate our vertical and horizontal relationships, some of them may be new, the horizontal relationships we may be forging, developing, or trying to hang on to those relationships. Just remember the love that we get to experience, that we have have known to come from God the Father as we work on our vertical relationship. I believe that things become more, um, not easier, but more near and dear to us as we work on those horizontal relationships also. So in conclusion, what's going to be your choice cup of tea with the horizontal relationships you are in? Again, you may be forging or developing some relationships, but what's going to be your choice of tea? Teach encourage and adore. We are going to trust God's instruction and allow his glory to shine. Or will we hold back and not sip or drink tea at all? The choice is ours. And with that, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.